Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. Everybody, welcome to Journey Now, and it is Monday, and I am Mike, so this makes it a Mike Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you to our uh, uh, episode today, where we have been looking at various questions, topics, struggles that uh, a lot of us have with the inherited beliefs of our upbringing, or even things that are happening in the world today. And last episode, I know we explored a bit of of my story um, with the with Susie assisting, and, and you know what, with Beth Moore leaving the SBC this week. I thought I would return the favor and and host Susie, <laughs> our fantastic Susie Lind, on the podcast. Why are you laughing? Because that is a funny intro. It's <laughs> a great intro, and, uh, and and the reason I thought it would be an interesting conversation is because Susie, as a woman in ministry, as a woman who is an elder and a pastor and a teacher, and has had to struggle with. Um, some of the preconceptions and maybe, I mean, did you start out as somebody who was kind of believing that women could do all of those things? Was that, I guess we'll just dive in. Was that part of your inherited culture uh, or upbringing? Mm, No, not really, because I, I started following Jesus at a church, a covenant church when I was in high school which actually the covenant church, the evangelical covenant denomination actually does um, they do allow women to teach and lead and pastor, but the particular one that I went to and was deeply involved with in high school that was really formative for me did not. Uh. So no, no. And I didn't even, <laughs> when I, I accidentally got into ministry. So yes. I, I wasn't even like, I had zero intention of teaching, um, I remember the first time I was asked if I could teach, I was like, oh, no, I don't do that. No. Wait, tell me about that. When, what, how, how old were you when that happened? So what were I, the circumstances? After I had my first child, I needed a job that I could do from home. So yeah. um, I ended up, uh, my, our lead pastor at the time um, hired me. He didn't have a personal assistant at the time. So he hired me five hours a week to do admin stuff for him to organize his life and a few meetings. Well, he and I had a great working chemistry together. So at the end of the first month, it was like 15 hours a week. And by the end of the year, I was at 30 hours a week. And we had a women's pastor at the church when I first started, but she was an egalitarian and, um, an egalitarian just for the record is somebody that affirms that women can serve and all levels of church leadership. Yeah. And at that time, our church was going through the whole, that we were, we were part of the Foursquare denomination, which if you want to do your research, the Foursquare church was founded by a woman. Whoa. And um, yeah, Amy Semple McPherson, sister Amy. <laughs> was that, oh, that was her? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. man, I've, I've, I've heard about her in reference to a lot of the, what was it? The third great awakening or like uh-huh. a revival, the Azusa right? Street revivals. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's, I mean, it's a fascinating history. So Angelus Temple, um, which is now the Dream Center in LA, that yeah, was all yeah. 
Sister Amy. <laughs> wow. So at the time, our our church was really wrestling with um, three issues: the the role of women in in ministry, and mm-hmm. the um, it, what we believed about eternal salvation, and the role of tongues as evidence of salvation. So this was a wow. Pentecostal denomination that we were not super in line with in practice. And so when that when that when the women in ministry issue was part of the conversation, that became that became a an amicable parting of ways for the women's pastor at the time. And then at the same time, they were going into the whole biblical manhood, womanhood thing, and they were not going to hire another women's pastor. In fact, our pastor at the time said, I'm the women's pastor. We don't need a women's pastor. So he just didn't feel like it was necessary. So then you've got all these women in the church who are leading Bible studies and things like that. And they are not happy to not have a woman representing them on staff. And so me being the really good personal assistant that I was, didn't have any desire to be part of women's ministry <laughs> at all. And Here like, it comes. Well, the only reason why I ever went to a women's Bible study was because I had a baby and they had free childcare. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. So I was like, listen, ladies, it's totally fine. I will be your representative. I will, um, I just didn't want, I didn't want the church to look bad is really what my motive. So, so I kind of just started helping them, which eventually turned into leading them because God just all of a sudden gave me vision and more than vision. He actually gave me love for women, Mm. which was not something I had experienced before. Like I loved (laughs) my women, my women friends, but I didn't yeah. love yeah. women as a whole <laughs> yeah. until yeah. he really put that in my heart. And so, you know, things began to progress. And, and then at one point um, there was a, a woman on staff named, well, she wasn't actually on staff. Her husband, Todd Wendorf came and joined our staff as a pastor and Denise was his wife and she had a passion for women's ministry. And she and I became very close. She became a mentor to me almost right away. And so, you know, I was like, Denise, you should teach a Bible study and I'll do all the administrative work and pulling it together. So Denise and I started a Bible study together. And then one day she's like, I think you should try teaching. And I was like, no, I don't do that. Yeah. And she's like, I, I really think you should try. And some, somehow she <laughs> talked me into it. And so I remember prepping for like a week and it was like, <laughs> I put my family through hell because of course, all I cared about was whether I was going to be good or not. Right. Well, of course. Yes. Like there was so much ego in it and so much. um, But I also loved learning. So that part of it was super like authentic. And like, I just loved learning and pouring over scripture and studying and all that. And so it, but it was such a stressful week, but I'll never forget the day that I, that, that came and I actually stood up and taught the group of women it was like the only time in my life or the first time in my life I had ever experienced that chariots of fire moment where like, yes. I can feel the pleasure of God. <laughs> yeah. yep. Yep. So like, I just, it was as, as scared as I was, as nervous as I was, the moment I stood up there and delivered the message I had, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so life-giving. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and then the feedback I got from people was, um, 
really positive and mm. and it was helpful to them and it was in, encouraging and inspiring to them and so i just kept doing it after that so so the church mm-hmm. was okay with you teaching in uh, other women which is one of the one of the ways that that yeah. complementarian churches sort of uh, operate the women can teach but it's only women um when did you get yeah. invited to uh, to teach men or what was that process like? Did mm-hmm. you, was there pushback? Was it, and, and that's the Beth Moore thing, right? Is that um, the, the reason I thought of you was how hard it must be in certain settings yeah, to put yourself out there in this way with gifts you feel like God has given you. And I, as a, as a man, I'll never know what you've had to overcome to do that. Right. You know, so, so I'm I'm interested in how that's worked itself out for you. Well, I was I was growing as a Christian and as a leader in this environment that was super into the the whole like it was when like the biblical manhood womanhood yeah. thing became all the rage. So we did yeah. men's fraternity, which I I thought was really great. Men's fraternity probably changed my our family, Steve and I, our family it changed the course of our family for the best. There were some really yep. helpful things about that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like it was when all of that stuff was really becoming a big deal in, yeah. in Christian subculture or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And so that's what yeah. was forming me. So I was like, I think this is kind of the way to go. But then I also, at the same time, was becoming, um, you know, in hindsight, I see like, I, I feel like I was maybe a little bit of a beta (laughs) in terms Mm -hmm. of what to do, because I was fine with not being called a pastor. I never asked for that title. I never wanted that job, but what happened was, is I, I just grew into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I never, I never asked to teach. I never asked to lead. I just kind of grew into those roles and even like, I remember at times people saying like, when I did announcements at church that I had authority, like they would make a comment that I had authority. Well, I never asked for authority. I never, you know, none of that yeah. stuff, but it was just kind of like, it really truly was something I feel like I grew into. So they eventually, you know, they made me the women's ministry coordinator and then, then they recognized that I was actually directing people. So they gave She's me the director. Director ministry director. And then they became okay. At at some point they, you know, they said, well, we think, you know, you should be called women's pastor. And I'm like, I don't really want that title. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that title that I don't want. Um, And anyway, long story short, I ended up receiving that title. Um, But, you know, there would come a point where I never, I never was allowed to teach on Sunday mornings Um, Mm. there, but it did, it's, it did start to, I started to irritate people because Mm. our, our pastor, I think, I don't want to speak for him. He's no longer the pastor of that church. That church now has completely new leadership from new Mm. elders to, um, to, to a new pastor. And, and actually just, just to kind of, before we left that church, there was a change in leadership. Our pastor had to step down because of um, some moral decisions he had made. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it, what it revealed was a very toxic leadership culture in the church, which I was a part of. I mean, I was a part of it because I was a leader in the church and I, you know, I grew into all of you. You can't, you can't grow into the good part of culture without acknowledging that you're also taking on some of the toxic stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's another podcast, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, so he was, I think in hindsight, my, how I experienced him was he was, he saw, he saw that I had these leadership gifts and he was very mm-hmm. affirming of them and nurturing of them in some settings. But then he had all these other people that he had to also answer to elders mm-hmm. and leaders who were not for that. So I began yes. to really irritate, you know, there was an, um, a couple of elders, I think, who thought I should be at home with my young children and not working at all. That's, bibl- that's biblical mm-hmm. womanhood, according to this understanding. Yep. Yeah. And then there were, uh, there were even, um, some women who we, women who, um, you know, voiced, voiced concern about even me praying in front of, in front of the congregation on like, cause I would do announcements and I would pray or I would close the service and do the benediction. And I was allowed to give, you know, a word, right. <laughs> afterwards. Right. But it it borderlined for people on like, oh no, she might be teaching us something. And right. And and that was probably a small fraction of people, a very small fraction. But when it's even if it's a small fraction and it's negative, those are the yeah. loud and vo- louder voices, right? Of course. So, of course. So I began to do my own work and I started reading. Um I started reading books like Two Views of Women in Ministry. Um, I read The Blue Parakeet by Scott McKnight, which was really life-changing for me. And then, I, I mean, I, I started reading scripture. <laughs> Look at there. And I started seeing like, okay, Priscilla and Aquila and, and, um, and their conversation with Apollos. And, and then I noticed that Paul entrusted his letter to the Romans to a woman named Phoebe. Yep. Who would have read it and interpreted it? Yeah. And, and I'll never forget that elder who thought I should be at home. I met with his wife one day when I came across that passage and I was like, I was actually writing a curriculum for Mm. women, um, a biblical, I was writing my own biblical womanhood curriculum. (laughs) And it was like, it was like a, a characteristics of a godly woman. And it used women in scripture as the, um, yeah you know, the, the yep, prototype the examples. Yeah. So I, when I came across Phoebe, I looked at this woman, this wife of the elder who thought I should be home. And I was like, I li- look, read this and tell me if you're seeing the same thing I'm seeing. And she started with tears in her eyes. She looked at me and she said, well, what I see here is that God entrusts his word to women. Bam. And I was like, I mean, we just both kind of sat there in silence. And I was like, that really kind of, ignited a struggle within myself that yeah. I was like, okay, I, I think that I'm seeing things differently than what is being practiced here. However, I knew I belonged there. I knew that's where I was meant to be. That's so good. So I was. So it's possible to be in a church that you don't entirely agree with. Yeah. That's amazing. 
that's amazing. And I, and I also didn't feel this need to fight for my right to party. And <laughs> I, like, I, I really felt like God was saying, listen, I can do whatever I want and I can use whoever I want, however I want. So if I want to use you in a different way, I will do that. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't give that advice to every woman everywhere because I also think that there's also room for someone to say, you know what? I need to thrive in my giftings. I need to learn how to steward this gift and use it well. And I can't here. So I need to move on to someplace else that will nourish and help me, help me grow in my, in, in what I have to offer the kingdom. I don't, I don't think there's, I think that's also a good road to take for me. That was my story. My story was, no, there's more to this than me as a woman in leadership. And so I feel like God was really faithful and helped me grow in that, in those giftings anyway, in leadership gifts beyond teaching, because I also was told at one point there that I would have been a really good executive pastor, but I didn't have the right plumbing. Oh boy. So we formed an executive team with me and (laughs) two other guys. (laughs) Yeah. And it was awesome. We had a great time. And those two guys have gifts I do not possess. And so right. it really was a dream team. But um, but that was also like when somebody actually said that to me, I was like, okay, wow. You know? Yeah. 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 So, I, I, and I, I remember that verse specifically talking about executive pastors um, <laughs> in the Bible. Um <laughs> So, so when was the first time you stood up? Was it at that church or was it elsewhere where you stood up in front of men and women to teach? Well, I was allowed to teach a Saturday morning leadership training class on, um, I think it was like how to lead small groups or something. And I was allowed to teach a mixed class there. Because you were a facilitator. You were were not, yes, you were not teaching the Bible. Right. And there was an elder who got very upset at that. Um, different elder than the one that thought I should stay home. And then, um, and then, but I, I mean, it's interesting because in, you know, there were, there were other elders at the time who, one that I'm still in very close relationship with who were champions of, Mm, of me as a leader, which was really awesome. But, um, and then, and then as I was, I think it was as I was leaving the church, we had this monthly gathering of pastors that would from all over the city that would come and they would meet monthly. It was a really sweet gathering of, of senior pastors that I started attending as the assistant to our lead pastor. Cause we hosted it. And then I just yes. kept going cause they all became great <laughs> friends and they, they wanted me around. So like I would bring the bagels and it was great. We, and there, those, some of those men are, have been very, um, also champions of me as a woman in leadership and have invited me to come preach at their churches. Wow. But the, I did, I did get to give a devotion to them at that. Nice. And nice. They, and it was really, they were very, very kind to me, <laughs> but I didn't, um, I didn't actually preach on a Sunday morning until I came to journey. Wow. So what was that? What was that like for you? Um, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, what I thought was really great was the first time Jamie had me join him on stage. Mm. And so we, 
we, yep. we taught together, which I yep. thought was really great because it helped, it helped, I think, establish some trust between me and our people. And so, then shortly after he let me go, he, he and Kevin um, invited me to go by myself. And it was really, um, it was, it was really surreal. I was really grateful. I think I just felt really grateful, mm -hmm. but it has, as you know, <laughs> It's taken me some time to really like feel the freedom that I've been given. You know? Yeah, I wanted to explore that mm -hmm. just kind of as we mm -hmm. close, because you've been kind enough to let me into and us, some of your coworkers, into the fact that there's still this residual voice sometimes. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, I think in the former context, I was always so mindful. I, I felt like I always had to tread carefully that I wasn't stepping on any toes, that I wasn't being too much, that I wasn't trying to take over. I wasn't being all the stereotypes people have of women in leadership anywhere. Right. You know, right. that that my tone was was gracious, that I I I wasn't um I, that I wasn't appearing to be the authority over the men in the room. I wasn't wielding anything like that. And so, and I have a pretty strong personality. My family says I'm a little bit aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's never. It's a good aggression. It's a no. passionate. <laughs> it it's is. out of love. <laughs> but, you know, I think I just always was so worried about being too aggressive, too intense. Oh, wow. And, and so much of my intensity and aggression comes from my own wondering and my own curiosity mm -hmm. and my true. own like ferocious desire to know and to be close to the Lord. And so I, that was just always something that I've, I had to be mindful and careful of. And so then coming here and having, I mean, even in my first few weeks on staff at journey, I remember having a conversation with Kevin and him and, and me kind of expressing a little bit of, of that. And he's like, no, he's like, I need you to lead. I need you to come here and lead. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. I can do that. You yeah. know, but even, I mean, what was it like a few months ago or just a couple months ago, you guys had an intervention with me on zoom and said that I don't talk enough which I've never been told that ever in my entire life. <laughs> well, no, it was a Q and A <laughs> that you and I were doing Q and A's and that you were naturally facilitating, mm -hmm. but that we felt like you had stuff to add that wasn't being added. And you were kind enough to bring us into some of the, I don't know. I don't know. Shame, doubt, the other voices that still. Yeah. Well, part of it, I mean, part of it was like, I mean, you guys have said that, you know, we, we need to, we are equals and we need to, we need to be equals. And so I, you know, I feel that in my heart, I feel that. And so I'm like, well, you guys have such great things to say. I think people should hear it. And I want, I want people to hear it. And yet there's also this part of me that just naturally, right. you know, naturally just, you know, lets the men go yep. first. And, and I've had to really work hard at overcoming that and, and really believe and embody what I know in my head that nobody now thinks that I'm trying to take over anything or <laughs> step outside 
you know, color outside of my lines or whatever, you know? I yeah, mean, totally. Because the thing is, at the end of the day, whether you're a man or a woman, you have to lead with humility and prefer other people. And, and right. you know, our goal is to make one another flourish, right? Help one another yeah. flourish. And so yeah. that's required of all of us, whether we're a man or a woman. And I, I really feel like that is our team culture. Like, yeah. you know, um, but, but there is, it's really hard to undo all those years of, of, oh my goodness, of, of neuropathways that, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, you don't, you don't even like, we didn't even talk about the fact that I'm Middle Eastern <laughs> What? <laughs> and was brought up in that culture. Like what? every culture I've been a part of has been, yeah. you yeah. know, yep. That's um, right. women are in a subordinate role. Yeah. Even if they're considered equal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess that's really that, you know, the Beth Moore thing, regardless of how you feel about Beth Moore, the SBC or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just, because of you and my friend Bonnie and other women in my life, I've become aware mm-hmm. of these hurdles that I never had to encounter ever. Right as a man in the church space, I never had to worry about being too much or smiling enough or, mm-hmm. you know, not usurping authority or any of that. And, and I, and I understand that. I mean, I used to believe. Or what you wear when you preach. Oh, uh, let me tell you right now, I mm-hmm. get loads of comments on what I wear when I preach. Well, you too do, much leg, but... <laughs> too much leg is what I, but yes, no, no. In all seriousness, I, yeah. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. Can you imagine if I showed up in shorts and flip-flops? I'm in. I am in. (laughs) Let me just say, I could use an advocate. No, that's so true. You would, the the standard, there is a massive double standard there. Mm -hmm. So I just think I, as we sort of wake up to what's happening in our world. Yeah. I wanted people to hear, because one of the toxic beliefs that um, that people think we believe and that often we do believe is that yes, women are equal in, uh, in value, but not equal in role. Right. And that to lead is the man's job and to respond is the woman's job. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that that's just clearly what the Bible teaches. And mm-hmm. we just want to say, well, not only is that not what the Bible teaches um, the Timothy passage and the Corinthian passage about women learning in silence are very, it's clearly cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, there are all these beautiful counter examples. Like you mentioned, we didn't even mention Junia, the apostle, right. Um, right. right? 16 times in Romans, what 16 Paul's referencing women as coworkers and co-laborers in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Women led house churches. Um, and then when you led a house church, it wasn't just that you just hosted and let someone else facilitate. You led the church. Yeah. Philippians. So he's writing to church leaders in Philippians or even third John is written to a woman mm-hmm. who's leading mm-hmm. a house church. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I, it, it, and I grew up the and the first person that Jesus appears to as a Come woman. On. Come and on. What does he tell her to do? Go preach. Go and tell the men. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 And then you have Paul's teaching on the spiritual gifts being poured out regardless of gender. Um, he specifically mm-hmm. quotes from, or Peter quotes from Joel, but Paul deliberately quotes from Genesis one and two and talking about male. There is no male and female. 
in Galatians 3. It's, it's this beautiful, like the reversal of the curse kind of language. So all that is said, I used to be somebody who wanted women to flourish in the highest levels of leadership, but I reserved the office of elder just for dudes. And I've really come to repent from Hi. that. And that's my sunset. And it has been um, really fun. One of the things that was very, very uh, attractive for me uh, about Journey was the fact that you were in such a public leadership role. We're almost a big boy. You were in such a public leadership role as a pastor and an elder and Mm -hmm. a part of the teaching team. And I just absolutely thought, yes, this this is what Paul envisioned for the new humanity. But that comes at great cost. And yeah. I just wanted to talk just a little bit about that with you. So thank you, Susie, for telling thank us a bit you. of your story. And thank you for your leadership. Um, my my friends, my Journey listeners, we are so grateful to be a small part of your life. We're so thankful for the last several months. We've been able to, to put out episodes every day and have them be different and full of different sort of flavors and textures and thank you, too, for your feedback, your support, subscriptions, reviews, the questions, all of that's super honoring to us. And so we're very, very grateful. And uh, anyway, continue uh, to tune in Journey Now podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you would share a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram story and tag us at journey underscore TN. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app.